Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 53 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I am Sam with Fowler Consulting. And I am Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. Drew, that's not completely true. It seems like uh, you've added something to your portfolio other than just Better Than Yesterday Consulting. Tell tell our listeners uh, what you're doing as a side hustle. I will, but first, Stephanie Sigwald, you have to pause and find your beverage because I'm about to make your night. We're going to Anthony Satterwhite the heck out of you today. I have joined Anthony Satterwhite's organization. I believe he wanted to call me a director of operations, and I just made the title vice president of operations because I like that better. Oh, I like it. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, he's been hurting for people and, and needed some help above, and my calendar was oddly open, so we uh, worked out a deal. Nice. Excellent. So you are uh, yeah. So you're in that Cleveland area uh, where... Working for Anthony Satterwhite. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice, nice. I think... You know, we've got uh, we've got no books that are on our docket that I recall. So we'll skip the book spotlight today. Thanks to my beautiful scheduling and my executive assistant that apparently took the day off yesterday. By the way, that's me. We don't have an interview because we were waiting for our our guest to show up for 15 minutes. And then I checked my calendar and we were, I mean, only two months early for that. So. Uh, we don't have that. So why don't we um we need to, we need to over deliver and under promise. Why don't we uh uh talk training? Because my guess is down there in um Stephanie, just for you, in Anthony Satterwhite land, you've got some folks that um probably need some training. We do. So uh let's queue up. Oh no, who are we queuing up? We're gonna queue up Tom Petty and uh Lucas. You probably want to get the double album ready because this discussion could go long. You know, the the Tom Petty documentary is like four and a half hours long. Uh, Three and a half, actually. It's called Running Down a Dream. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Okay, not to get too off topic here. But I didn't realize, I mean, I thought I was a, like, I knew Tom Petty and I knew a couple songs and I'm watching the documentary. I'm like, oh my God, I'm a Tom Petty fan. I know every song. So, you know, we're going to stay off topic for just a second because that's what we do. I watched Running Down and Dream and Tom Petty was big when I was in high school. You know, I graduated in 1983 and um, he was just, just Tom Petty was big when I was in elementary school. Yeah. And, um. There's Drew's weekly jab at, at the fact that I've had more trips around the sun than he has. But I was never a Tom Petty fan. I, you know, I, I liked the hits. I knew them, but I just never got into it. I don't think I owned any of his albums growing up. And I watched that special and I had to have everything. I mean, I, I went out and he's got a box set out that it's called an American icon, I think, or American treasure. American treasure. And it's, uh, it's full of the mud crutch stuff and it's full of the, all the Tom Petty stuff. And, um, I just, uh, 
you know, as 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 we get older, me older, of course, and some of our younger rock icons start to no longer be with us, you start to have some regrets of people you didn't see. And I'll tell you what, Tom Petty is probably second or third on the list of people that I wish I would have gotten around to see because the show footage in that documentary is just amazing. And, and again, not to not to keep on this, we'll get to what we want to talk about in a minute. But the end of that, where they're talking about the traveling Wilburys and how that starts. And this for our younger listeners, it's a super group like everyone in that group is is a rock and roll Hall of Fame member. And it happens solely because one guy forgot his guitar and the other guy was um, smoking a joint like, <laughs> like the entire band happens completely randomly like <laughs> oh i need a yeah, guitar okay go over to this guy's house oh look who's here <laughs> yeah i think it was uh harrison left his guitar somewhere um maybe at jeff lynn's house or something but and then i didn't realize that the reason there was never a, a second album was yeah. be- because uh, roy orbison passed away and they were all excited about the project the way t- tom tells the story but um but yeah, so so that's good stuff. And um, before we leave this subject, I told you he'd be number two or three on my list of regrets. So let's just yeah. share with the listeners who would be your number one list of regrets that you never got to see because now they're no longer with us. Oh, uh huh. All right. So so uh, I'm I'm a huge uh, Russian Foo Fighters fan. I didn't get to see the Foo Fighters last concert tour, um, but you I've saw them, them once. I've seen them. Oh, I've seen them five times. Um, okay. Saw Rush so, so eight just times. Rules of the game. But, no, I know. And I know. It's you somebody you haven't seen. I know, never I know. ever saw <sighs> Zeppelin. Oh, oh, that's a that's a rock solid choice. I like that a lot. I, I would take Zeppelin. I would take Queen. Oh, nice. Um, I was a late bloomer three. for Queen. I, 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 I couldn't stand them through high school. And, you know, I'm finding this with a lot of things. As I get older, things from my childhood are uh, becoming more and more impressive to me, like a C3 Corvette. I never thought I, I hated them. I thought they were awful. And now I see one and I'm like, I, I don't wow. know what that is. So C3 was, uh, I'm going to be wrong. So if we get Corvette listeners, but it's like late sixties to early seventies. Oh, okay. Okay. And yeah, um, yeah, okay. I know I, now I, visually, I know what you're talking about. Now I see one. I'm like, Whoa, that's, that's crazy. So, so here's, uh, I'll give you mine. <clears throat> wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I, I got to oh. add one other one. Okay. This is going to be crazy. And and I, I don't know why it took that long to pop. Duke Ellington. That's a rock solid choice. Duke I would love to see to have seen Duke Ellington. I think that's just been amazing. Google Duke Ellington because you probably have no idea who the Duke is. But um, yeah, that's a solid choice. That would be be great. Or uh, Glenn Miller and his orchestra. Yep. A- anything from that era, I think, would be Is amazing. Gillespie. Yeah. 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 Um, y- you know, uh, <laughs> old white guy. guys. Old white guys. Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, you remember Buddy Rich? Yep. Buddy Rich played the Dexter High School uh, stage, which is now Creekside. Uh, And my dad printed the posters and 
everybody in the band sold tickets and I think I sold the most. So I got to go backstage and meet Buddy Rich in the big city of Dexter. <laughs> so that, and he was, Dexter. he was, uh, he was so cool. So I'll give you my number one. And what makes this particular choice even worse is I had the opportunity and, uh, because I was an idiot, I said no. Playing at the Pontiac Silverdome, Elvis Presley. And I said no. That's solid. That's solid. Yeah. I, you know, and, and again, I, you know, I just didn't care for him when I was younger. And now I'm, I'm just like, oh my God, you had a chance to see Elvis and you missed it. What a dummy. Okay, so should we talk about something uh, related to uh, round things with sauce and cheese, maybe? I mean, if you feel like it. Okay, how about now Lucas plays the Tom Petty drop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or some traveling <laughs> Wilburys or some Elvis or... Oh, gosh, here I go. Somebody stop me! Little black dog. That, uh, that <laughs> rabbit hole is hard to get out of. There's nothing better than talking about old music. Maybe we should... Um, we should cross cast with uh, two twins in an album one day. So you're doing this thing with uh, Stephanie, just for you, with Anthony Satterwhite. That, that poor woman. I almost feel for her after. This episode. Yeah, she, okay, continue. She's uh she's gonna tip a few back, I think. How many restaurants has Anthony got these days? Uh 17 with uh, one waiting open. So so we've got 17, another one on the way. Let's make the assumption that um not all of them are running to capacity or to their highest level of execution. For discussion's sake, as the newly minted director of operations, do you Vice president. Vice president, sorry. Do you um do you attack a single store and make it great? Or do you spread your time out and try to make them all great at once? What do you what do you think? And uh I mean because I'm sure there's other folks out in the Domino's Pizza stratosphere that maybe have more than one restaurant that could use some improvement. So it's it's interesting because like you only have a hundred percent of your time, right? So do you give, and you're never going to give a hundred percent of your time to work, right? You've got to sleep. You've got to eat. You actually have family. You should take care of too. You're never going to give work a hundred percent of your time. If you think you are, you might be a little out of whack, but for right now, let's take a hundred percent of your work time. How do I, I want to, I want to preface this with there's, there's fix, solve and change, right? I can fix a store. And I think we've all been there. We go in and we fix a store. And two weeks later, we fix a store. And two weeks later, we fix that store. And two weeks later, we fix that store because we're not actually getting to the root of whatever the issue is. We just keep going in, putting a different bandage on it. And it, it, it's kind of stable because I have all these other fires, right? And you're on that, that hamster wheel. You have solving a store where you go in and you're like, okay, we need to address whatever. Um, the number of drivers we have in the schedule, the abilities of the assistant managers. We need to take the GM from a assistant manager to, to GAM and actually owning their business. And we need to like upskill the whole team. So we need to actually solve this problem. And it's going to take priorities and focus training and, and lots of visits. 
And then there's change, right? So I've solved this at the store. How do I make sure it never happens again? All right. I like it. So we've got fix, solve, and change. I'm going to say that the worst choice of those three, in my humble opinion, is fix. I would agree. You, you know, you and I are, are both here in, in the state of Michigan, and uh, we both have dandelions. And I can go out and run my lawnmower and chop them all down today. And I'll be like, oh. My lawn is green. And then I wake up tomorrow and there's 10 times as many because I fixed the problem instead of solving the problem. I've not had a dandelion in my yard in three years. I can fix that. I pay through green to feed and fertilize my lawn at the start of the season and the end of the season. And I have not had a dandelion. I've had a dandelion in my sidewalk, but not in my yard. Okay. So you're not, you're not really helping my analogy just so we're clear. No, I'm totally helping the analogy because <laughs> because you're fixing it, right? Right. At the end of your mow, you have no dandelions, but guaranteed you're going to have dandelions again in a week, in seven days, 10 days, whatever. Yeah, because I have the appearance of no dandelions. Correct. But it's yeah. not. They're there. And, and it's, the store is no different, right? I have, I have the appearance of a staff store, but unless you do an employee engagement survey or you talk to the employees, you have no idea that four of them are actively looking for a different job. Three of them greatly despise the senior assistant manager in the store. Uh, your closing driver's car has 297,000 miles on it and is about to die. Like, like you're on the precipice, but you think the store is fixed. But once you look under that surface, well, there's dandelions everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the question becomes, well, for you specifically, <clears throat> we've got 17 of these, of these different entities all running under the Domino's Pizza name and the, here comes Stephanie, the Anthony Satterwhite name. So the question becomes, do we identify the root cause of store A's issue and fix it completely? Or do we continue to sputter along and try to fix them all at once? So let's, let's jump into the pros and cons. Hitting them all. I just want to do a public service announcement that what we're about to talk about is a hypothetical. Yeah. Correct? Yeah, okay, absolutely. Cool. I, I just don't want the listeners to think that that I'm talking about um, Anthony Satterwhite's organization at this moment, because I'm not. We're talking about the hypothetical of let's take it from manager to supervisor or franchisee. You're a supervisor. You have five to eight stores and more than one is actively not functioning the way it should. How do you prioritize? How do you how do you get it so that everybody runs better as opposed to you running to store A and fighting a fire, running to store B and fighting a fire, running to store C and fighting a fire? So we're in hypothetical land. All right, continue. Here's the first thought that comes to my head and, and uh, just completely thinking out loud and, and brainstorming it, as they say. I think there would be some value in identifying your strongest leader and giving them a large portion of your support to make them even stronger so that when you're not there, they can be identifying and developing talent. And then you start to get exponential growth when it comes to talent. <clears throat> I had an area leader once tell me, you know, he focused 
you know, X amount of time on his top performers, X amount of time on his bottom performers. And he made sure he checked in with the middle performers because he felt like he got a much better return on his investment of his most precious resource, which is his time when he talked to the top performers because they're always trying to get better. So I spend an hour with my top performer and that gets exponentially better because they see one thing and and they run with it. The people on the bottom got to get off the bottom. So I've got to help them get off the bottom. And the people in the middle are causing me the least amount of train wrecks or dumpster fires. Like their dumpster is volatile and it could go up at any moment, but it's not on fire now. And the people at the bottom, the metal's starting to, to melt because the fire's been burning so much. And the people on the top, they're out there waxing their dumpster because they want it to look beautiful. And you point out one thing and they take their, they, they take it to the next level. And I think a lot of times it's going to be called waxing the dumpster. I like it. There you go, Lucas <laughs> waxing the dumpster. <laughs> Drew and Sam talk wax on and wax off. I think a lot of time leaders think that they don't have to spend any time at all with their top performers because they're their They are their top performers. And they don't understand the benefits of spending 10 minutes with them and all of the growth they're going to get out of that time. I, I would go slightly different. Sure. Back in the day, there was a corporate um, safety director named George Ralph. George been with the company forever. And George's thing forever was people will steal from you. 15% will never steal from you. 15 will always steal from you. And the other 70% will do whatever it is you allow them to do. And I look at the team that way. 15% will kill for you. They will run through walls for you. They will just go. 15% will just not get it. And the other 70 will do what it is that you show them. So to your point, I actually want to give as much attention as I can to my high performers because your team sees where you pay attention and then they will subconsciously act in a way that gets them attention because everyone at the end of the day actually does want attention and affection, right? So if I pay attention to the bottom performers, what are my middle going to do, Sam? They're going to drop because they actually want you in your store. If I pay attention to the top, what's the middle going to do? They're going to try to achieve more because they want to be there. That's where I'm at. I, I want to rank all of my employees and that bottom 10 or 15% are going to get the bare minimum because they're probably not someone who's going to be on the team in six or nine months. So, so those are the stores where it's like, listen, just survive, just be okay. I'm going to work on the average and the best because the average and the best, if I work with them, the best will actually find a way to get better. The average will improve as well. And I can probably pull talent from them to make the bottom better later. Yeah, exactly. That's That was just going through my head as well. If I'm leading from the front and I'm spending the time with my highest performers, then when I'm not there, they can spend time with their team and get them up to speed. You know, I, I did a, a similar thing to what you're doing now with another client. And I was in front of all my assistant managers one day and I said to them, some of you are sprinters. And some of you are turtles and I love you all and I need you all. But I want to let you know right here, right now in front of you, out of my mouth, the sprinters are going to get most of my time because that's where I'm going to get the most movement. It doesn't mean that I don't want the turtles around, 
I, I love you and I need you. But if you want attention from me, if you want development from me, then you've got to be showing me that there's going to be a return on that investment. And I, I think that kind of goes to the, the whole thing you're talking about, George, and spending time with the people at the top. Because when you've got to move five to eight stores, 17 stores, 30 stores, 100 stores, you've got to start to get some momentum and you've got to be gaining field generals to make sure that everybody else is moving with you. And that's just it. And, and it's not a matter of, I'm only going to spend time at my 100 OER away score store. I'm only going to spend time at the multi-million dollar annual sales store. I'm, I'm, it's not a matter of that. It is completely a matter of you want to nurture and grow the best. And the only way to do that is spend time with them. Human nature, especially if you're firefighting as a supervisor or a franchisee, is to go where it's the worst. Because I've got to keep the store open, because I've got to placate that driver, because I've got to keep that manager on for just two more weeks. And you suddenly find yourself that you have spent all of your time dealing with people who aren't going to be on the team. And if you make it about pro sports ball, could you imagine if if Bill Belichick, instead of spending time for 20 years with Tom Brady, was spending with all the guys he cut? The team doesn't get any better. The cut guys might get better, but they're cut. They're not on the team. I, I think the challenge that we run into when we've got these fires is that we've got to put that fire out. We've got to put that fire out. Perhaps some of our leaders are in a position where if they can't do everything, spoiler alert, nobody can, that they've got to decide what's going to be the best or maybe a better way to put it is what's going to be the least of the evils. So if you've got 10 hours you're going to work today, I would rather spend 10 hours of fire prevention than 10 hours of firefighting because my 10 hours of fire prevention could save me from 100 hours of fires down the road. I agree. We've got a horrible problem of living in today and not thinking about tomorrow. And one of the things I've been saying in my workshops lately is that sometimes tonight's customers are going to have to suffer so that next week's customers don't. That's true. And I would, I would add to that, that it's, it's, it's the prioritization, right? It's, it's how we look at urgent versus important. And, and that customer right now is absolutely urgent. The team handling all the customers next week is important. And we have to make that decision on which one we're going to give our time to. It's very easy for a supervisor to get into a mode where they're opening and closing, they're running shifts because they need that urgent. Very easy for a supervisor to be on dough on a Friday night. It's very easy for a supervisor to make deliveries because it's urgent. And at the moment, I totally get it. So that's your fix. Fine. You fixed it for today. How do you solve it? How do you make some, some improvement that you're not right back there doing the same thing tomorrow? Because you will be. Well, no, you won't because you'll be at a different store doing it at a different location. And the first store is now a larger fire again, right? So. So that's how that, I mean, it's why literally my supervisor class had a tagline, how to stop fighting fires. But it's the first part that's hardest because you're going to have people who are like, I have no drivers tonight, no insiders tonight. I don't know who's closing tonight. Well, congratulations. You're there. You are. And you go to the others because what are you going to do there? 
what you're going to do there is you're going to add six or eight hours onto your schedule. You're going to be nice. You're going to, you're going to let that manager not close tonight, or you're going to go be that closing driver for that manager. And in the meantime, there's whatever 50 applicants sitting in smart recruiter. There's no box top saying that you're hiring. Like we're not doing the things. And again, this is all hypothetical. We're not doing the things to move the business forward next week. We're surviving. Some of you are going, that's not me. You're right. Cause you're in that top 15% already. Congratulations. And if you're listening, that's probably where you're at. But now I challenge you. If you're a single store manager, look around your area. I mean, you're listening to this. So you're probably in the top 15 because, you know, that's all Sam and I attract right then. I mean, seriously, you know, that is pretty fortunate that that's, that's what we do. But even if you're in that top 15, what can you do to get into the top five, to get into the top three, to get into the top 1% to be the best? And the things we're talking about, there's probably some takeaways for you as well. Are you spending your most valuable resource, which is your time on the things that are most important for the business to be the best it can be tomorrow. And we've got people that deliver just amazing metrics and their restaurants are fantastic. When they go to multi-level supervision, they tend to, to stumble on the next step because they haven't learned the importance of delegation and the trust but verify matrix that goes along with that delegation. And they just, you know, much like Patrick said, when we talked to, to Patrick Doyle, they can muscle their way through a single restaurant. You can't muscle your way through multi-level supervision and you can't muscle your way to fix five to eight units or 17 units or 30 units or 50 units. You've got to have a deliberate plan and process and follow it when the going gets tough. And the going gets tough every time there's more than five orders on the screen. And we immediately revert back to, we got to get those pizzas in the oven. We got to get them out the door instead of there's five applicants waiting to be attracted. And if we got those people here and trained and hired, then I wouldn't have to worry about the five orders on the screen because they wouldn't be there anymore. They'd be in the oven. Funny you mentioned this because it, it reminded me of it. I was running the Minnesota market, 26 stores at the time, two total supervisors. That doesn't seem like enough to me. It's not. And we had a small food issue. The small food issue being that no inventory was accurate. That's definitely a food issue. So when I asked my supervisors, and I remember the words very clearly because this is what started the fight. I said, I need you to ensure that this Sunday's food count is accurate. Did I say I need them to do the food counts? That's not what I heard. I did not. I said, I need you to ensure that this week's food counts are accurate. And I had one of the supervisors call me and say, how do you expect me to go and do 13 stores of inventory on a Sunday night? That's awesome, isn't it? I, I didn't say that. I said, I need you to ensure that it's accurate. How can we ensure it's accurate? And it legit probably... I'm thinking back now a couple of years. So it, it felt like it took 90 minutes. It probably took more like 15 though, to walk them through things they could do starting Friday or Saturday with calls, with visits, things they could do Sunday with calls, with targeted visits to make sure that the food count was accurate. And they weren't thinking that way. They were thinking that as soon as the boss said something needs to get done, I need to go do it. 
And and if you're a multi-unit person, Asi Sheikh used to tell us in Team USA as a director, why are you so busy? You literally have nothing to do. And it would get eye rolls from people. But it's the truth because once you're not the shift runner, and I mean manager or the assistant, you are not responsible for the key, for the deposit, for the pizzas, for the delivery. You're accountable to it. You just got to make sure it gets done. You're not being asked to do it. And that disconnect is so great when so many supervisors believe that they need to do it. And it's why their apron's always dirty. It's just stunning to me. So if you tag in the need to do it, put on the KP Superman, show up, save the world. Cool. You're going to look at Marvel. Marvel now has movies stretched out for like the next hundred years because there's always so much we can save. So let's not be the superhero. Let's pull back. One of the mantras I am rolling out with Anthony's group is go slow to go fast. You got a store that needs an extra AM. Don't just hire them and throw them in because that's a fix. In two weeks, they're going to quit because they're not going to know what they're doing. And it's too many hours and whatever, right? So we want to solve it. So it means, hey, you're short in AM. Cool. You're going to be short in AM for like the next six to eight weeks after you hire your replacement AM. And they're going to follow this process so that they stay so that we can solve this. And then we can change the way we onboard and bring on our new team members. And if you start to think of it that way, the solutions there, it's just hard. It's just work. And it doesn't get fixed today. And there's so much about what we do that we just want everything perfect tomorrow. If I don't like the YouTube video, I can hit next. I can binge shows on Netflix. I can, there's so much instant gratification. And none of what you and I are talking about, Sam, is that instant gratification. Right. And when you do put on your superhero cape and you solve the issue in the store today, there is that instant gratification. Look at the load times we were able to get today. Look at the service times we were able to get today. And then you're not there tomorrow and you're like, well, we did it last night. Why can't we do it tonight? Well, it's because Spider-Man left the building. You know, I think that's what drives, for lack of a better term, the poor choices that above store leaders make when it comes to fighting fires, because there is instant gratification. There's a feeling of success in the moment in the long term, you know, call true green, write the check, have them come out. You don't get that instant gratification, even though at the end of the summer, you think back and you're like, I didn't have any dandelions all year. Wow. Okay, that worked. At the end of the period, wow, we had 50% less extremes because we jumped all over our applications instead of jumping all over the Friday night dinner rush on that one particular day. And that's not to say that the Friday night dinner rush isn't important. Oh, it's, but it, it, it's not, though. It's urgent. I think one of the things that is a real head scratcher for me in today's society is that if I say you've got choice A and choice B, which one is more important for the long-term success of whatever it is you're trying to do, people immediately think that if they choose choice A, they're saying choice B is irrelevant. That's not what we're saying. If you have time to do one thing, which one thing are you going to do, which will allow you more time in the future to do the other thing? Drew, you know the sports ball, basketball. Do you like Michael or do you like Kobe? Do you like Kobe or do you like LeBron? And those discussions always end up with my guy is great and your guy sucks. 
any of those guys that are in the discussion are fantastic. So when you're choosing the best, it doesn't mean that the thing you didn't choose is no longer relevant. Life is not Ricky Bobby, right? Life is not if you're first, if you're not first, you're last. Right. And and, and in fact, he says that at the end of the movie. Whoever said that? Well, you did. Well, that's stupid. Second is is great. Third is great. You know, we've got to understand that to be great leaders, to be successful, we've got to we've got to prioritize what we're going to do with our most valuable resource, which is our time. It's the only thing we can't create more of by writing a check or or we've got to make sure that we utilize it and that we're moving towards our goal so that so that we get to where we want to get to and our customers get the experiences they deserve. So let's let's start to uh, land this plane, Sam. Uh, Let's do a quick recap because there's been a lot of ranting and rambling in this. There has. So first. Spend your time and watch the Tom Petty video if you have any inclination to any old rock and roll. It's amazing. Even if you don't, just do it. This is a a directive from Drew and Sam Talk Training. Google Tom Petty running down a dream and watch it. You will not be disappointed. Okay, so that's one. What's second? Part two. Right. Prioritize your best and then your average. And yes, it's going to feel icky because your worst will be a little worse for a little while. Your best and your average will get better and you'll be able to do something about the worst. And, and, and I don't like it just sounds so icky to say it that way. But if you do it the other way, you're going to prioritize your worst and then your average and your best will get worse. And you start that death spiral. And and when you prioritize the best, they are going to start creating more and more people that are going to fill that upper echelon so that you can start to get some real momentum. So maybe that's part three is this is always about your time and your time is about the long game. Yes. Some dude named Simon Sinek says, uh, are you ahead or are you behind? I'm a huge fan of the infinite game and the infinite game is not about winning today. I mean, I would say the Jets get plenty of first downs, but they don't even do that. So I can't even make that analogy. But this is not about getting the first down. This is about getting into the Hall of Fame. It's not even about winning Super Bowls. It's about getting into the Hall of Fame. And to do that, it means you got to do the right stuff every day for years. It doesn't mean one good play today. You know, I think that what's important for folks that are facing this monumental challenge of fixing more than one unit. You have to firmly wrap your head around the fact that you're not going to fix it today. What can you do today that will make tomorrow closer to your end result, knowing that tomorrow you still won't be at your end result? I think people are lost in in pizza utopia. Pizzatopia. Yeah, that's my trademark word. If I go in there today and I spend six hours and I completely organize and clean the store and teach the three people that are in the store today how to do it, that tomorrow will be a brand new day and everything will be perfect. And that's just not going to happen. No, but if I set up one shelf that way and ask them over the next three days, can you guys do the other three shelves, one shelf each? 
the same way and send me pictures each night when one of you have completed a shelf, they start to learn the skill. Correct. As leaders, we've got to develop people. We can't do things for them because if we're not there, then things won't get done. But I do have to model the behavior and occasionally show them how to do something. That is correct. All right. So, so now non-hypothetical for a second, before we completely land this plane, I do want to do a shout out because um, my man here, Adolfo Ramon is the trainer for Anthony Satterwhite and Good he guy. is absolutely doing this. He's a great guy and he has pulled assistant managers from stores that couldn't spare assistant managers because they were thrown to the wolves because there was some just get the store open thought. And he went from last week running shifts as the trainer because we were trying to keep stores open to this week, having three assistant managers next to him while he was running shifts to try and speed up that process because he's thinking about the long game. And so I just wanted to do that shout out that, that the little like pizza college thing going on after one week. So, and I think that's super important. If you're, if you're an above store leader or out of store leader, if you get to a point where you've got to put an apron on and we all know that's going to happen, I think you should do everything humanly possible. You can to have somebody on your hip so that that time that you're wearing an apron is not only taking care of the customers tonight, but also developing somebody to help them take care of the customers tomorrow. So Adolfo, um, you know, I'm a big fan as well. Congrats on that. That's awesome. Keep it up. I know it's not easy, but dang it, if it were easy, anybody could do it. Don't make a million dollars a year to be a Navy SEAL. Hey, that's right. If you want to make it special, make it hard. Thank you, John U. Bacon. Okay, so we've got to make sure we understand if we're fixing, solving, and, and then making a change. I think that was one of the things we hit on. And and what Absolutely. else? As we're in final approach here at uh, DTW. We have to prioritize the important, that long game over the urgent. And yes, to your point, Sam, it may mean a customer today suffers so that the customers next week don't. And I think it would be important to be transparent to your team exactly how you're going to be spending your time. And that is... I've got sprinters. I've got turtles. I'll be spending my time with the sprinters because they're going to get me closer to where I need to be quicker. And they're also going to develop more people. And I love my turtles as much as I love my sprinters. I need you all. If you want to see more of me, if you want to get more one-on-one -on -one development, then you just got to pick up the pace a little bit and I will find a time to spend with you as well. Yep. Cool. All right. Sam, I think this has been episode 53. It has been episode 53. Find us, like us, subscribe, follow, give us comments, feedback. The more followers we have, the more people that subscribe, the more chances we have to get bigger guests. Or a guest. <laughs> this has been episode 53 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I am Sam with Bowser Consulting. And I am Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. Hey, remember, gang, if you post a picture that shows that you are subscribed to the podcast, I will send you out a wonderful Drew and Sam Talk training hat pin. Sent uh, about six of those out last week. Getting some of those pictures in. Love to see those. 
And, um, you know, of course, go out, sell more pizza. Have more fun. That's all, folks.